0: On this episode of Leadership Lessons from Mayberry, this is a fascinating episode with Bodhi Dostel, who's the owner of Dostal's Construction, a playground equipment construction company. Bodhi had humble beginnings, and he talks about those beginnings and how they shaped his life and really his business philosophy. And he took that humbleness and all of those lessons he learned as a child growing up in the wilds of Niobrara, And he has helped shape Dostal's construction into a multi-million dollar enterprise today. One in which, when you listen to this show, you're going to be very impressed with. It's a fascinating listen, a fascinating show. And, of course, our great producer, Grace Dunbar, brings it to you. Here's Leadership Lessons from Mayberry. Well, listen, it's not often. You know what they say about in-laws, right, Bodie? Uh, we get a start, and your brother-in-law gets to interrogate you for the next 45 minutes on being an absolutely fantastic business owner. What a success story. And we are going to get a chance to really dive into that. But before we do, we always start with your Mayberry. And I got to ask you, what is considered your Mayberry? Where did you grow up, and what do you call home?
1: Um... I think I'd call myself having two different homes. Um, I was born in northeast Nebraska, of uh, the town. Uh, I was one of the few kids that were probably born at that time at home. It was at home delivery. Um, we we lived in... Uh, and,
0: Bodie, i got to stop you right there because yeah. you know we've had this conversation. I was born in a car. Yeah. Not conceived, born in a car. Yeah. You were also born at home. So we've got that in common, but they didn't mean to. In my case, it sounds like your far- parents said, we're going to do this at home.
1: Uh, born and conceived, same bed. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nine months apart. Yeah. Uh, but lived up there in uh, northeast Nebraska, Nyreboro, until uh, the banks failed. We lost our house. And then we moved to uh, f- uh, a like a rural place out in the country between Niobarra and Bloomfield and lived there till I was in second grade. Um, My dad was in construction. Construction really slowed in that area. The Niobarra State Park was done and built. Um, So there wasn't a lot of uh, projects or opportunities for somebody in construction. So then we moved down to Omaha area and ended up in uh, Gretna, um, South Lenoma. Uh, Went to high school in Gretna, grade school, high school, and I, so that would be my split between my homes. I feel at home at either place. Right? Yeah.
0: Well, how could you not? I mean, one of the stories of your life is those wide open spaces, right? I mean, yep. Niobrara, let's start there because I just played some golf up there not long ago. Absolutely beautiful country. And I remember you sharing with me one time. You guys would go out in the field and you would play guns and wars, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. those ki- games that all these young kids play. And you had... I mean, you'd be gone for hours and hours at a time. What was it like growing up with all that space around you in the Niagara?
1: Well, uh, down from our house was a creek called the Brazil Creek. I'd just take my dog, and uh, mom would just ask me to be home by supper. And I'd be gone six, seven, eight hours and just playing in the creeks. The creeks were only six inches deep, so you'd be chasing minnows is about all you could really be doing. It was safe, but just up and down the creeks all over uh, if we wanted to go visit some friends, um, my dad's old business partner used to live about six miles away, uh, but it was about three miles across the fields, and they'd just point me in the direction, and I'd w- walk over there because I wanted to go play with my friends, or his son at the time, uh, uh, and go play with him, and we'd just take off across the field. The freedom that you
0: had back in those days, I mean, it's hard to conceive, right, today in today's world, yes. but what did that give you? Um, well... What kind of it, influence? What kind of values do you think it instilled in you to just have to just go?
1: Uh, just the independence, really. I mean, you're independent. You're you're learning those skills. You're you're not having somebody watch over you every step of the way. I mean, you're crossing fields with cows and this and that. You just got to know how to handle yourself. So yeah, not being afraid of every little thing. Yeah, it that starts off at a young age too. I think uh, kids don't quite have that the same as they do now.
0: You know, the resourcefulness that you learn. I, I think what's interesting too is that. I once had uh, a business leader say to me, the thing that we've lost with kids today, and this is where I want to know if this impacted you, is that because there's so many sensory things going on, right? All of these video games that they can play, they've lost the ability to daydream and to think and to dream. And obviously, when you're out wandering the fields with your dog, mm-hmm. no one around you, the value of having the ability to daydream. I mean, how, do you think that played a role in where you're at today?
1: Oh, I'm certainly. I'm always dreaming up the next thing but i I, yeah all all my life there's always been a dream of building something or doing something and and you know out out in the wilderness and making yourself a stick fort yeah yeah with multi-room stick forts (laughs) and you're in
0: hostile construction you're in it today those are those things those little things that help yeah that help you in your profession aren't they
1: yeah make it a plan dreaming it up yeah it starts when you're really young too yeah so
0: so the independence that your parents gave you When you look back on that as well, you know, again, some people might say, oh, my gosh, you could go out for eight hours a day. Just be home by dinner. Right. Yeah. But that brought you some values and that impressed some important lessons, I'm sure. So here's what I want to know. We just had a good laugh. But tell me a little bit about middle of summer in Niobarra. I want to hear what it was like. A typical day in July as a 12-year-old. I love that because, to me, that's one of the most impressionable times of my life. What was that like for you in Nyberg? So
1: I was there until I was in second grade. So I was young. So me roaming the hills and going around there as kindergarten, first and second. Wow. So I was really young. Yeah. So uh, days around there. There wasn't a lot going on. The next. The next kid or next uh, house that had a kid that was my age um, was three or four miles away. So it was a lot of independent play or if you got lucky enough to have some a friend come over. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of independent play out there. Um, you were learning at an early age. I well, mean, you
0: were given a lot of independence at a very early age and now here you are as a business owner. Do you think having to make decisions, having to be a quick thinker, um, as a young person, do you think that stayed with you today? Is that one of those things that inadvertently has been a lesson for you or a gift that you, were, you, know, you got as a young per- person?
1: I think, yes, some of that. But I think a lot of people are kind of born with that. If you're going to know how to do it, you're going to know how to do it. I mean, some of it's learned, but I think it's really just on your makeup and how you are. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we had to do when I, or I wanted to do when I was a kid, we didn't have a lot of money. So you can order to make money for fireworks. My mom would send me with a bag down the road and I'd pick up cans out of the ditch. So you get 50 cents a pound back in the day and that was great money to buy your fireworks. So (laughs) start working young, I guess. No doubt, and (laughs) that seems to
0: be another thread for all these business owners. Everybody worked, all, all these successful business owners I've interviewed since April, they all started work young. They all started making money. They all had an idea on how to make money one of the things that really influenced you as well um is something called the pink slip uh yeah. when you yeah. when you went through and hot lunch yeah. and you had a pink slip all the other kids had a blue slip when you went through hot lunch yeah tell me what that was and really how that really set a fire in you
1: well um back then they had the the pink, uh, pink lunch tickets, and those were the kids or for the low-income kids. They're uh, government-subsidized or um, like food stamps and the families that were on that. Um, and then they had a blue for everybody else. So every day when you walked up and bought your lunch, uh, you had to pull out your, your, your lunch ticket and hand it to the lunch lady, and they'd stamp it. And, it, and uh, yeah, it, it lit a fire under me when I was a young kid that I wanted more than that, and it was kind of an embarrassing situation. Being a you know a kindergarten first second grader to have a different colored lunch ticket than all the other kids, but now, it was an I,
0: amazing I, gift, wasn't it? In the long run,
1: I I think everybody should have a pink lunch ticket at some point in time. You said th- that to me once. What do you mean by that? Oh, I I think they need a humbling experience in your life, and you got to have something to build from and, and have some motivation to work and do it. Um, not that that pink lunch ticket motivated me to be top of the class in high school or anything like that but i knew when i wanted to start working and working i wanted to have i wanted to have things i I wanted to have a family that didn't have to go through the same things that i did but i still think they Mm -hmm. some some kids need that humbling experience and i don't think uh none of our kids know that
0: right and and i I know that That says a lot. That's a poignant story. I I don't think there's any doubt about it that it has stayed. You know, one of the things we talked about before we went on air, is I said, you you said to me, hey, this motivates me to this day. And um, and and boy, has it motivated you. You've built an amazing business, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But before we do, let's keep on this. Your origin story and you move to. Uh, Lenoma Lakes, you have always had, your life and your childhood has been personified by just wide open spaces. And I have to imagine you had a charm childhood growing up with all these places to go and explore. Yeah, Would Uh, you
1: describe it that way? I I would, definitely. Um, I started, uh, my mom went into labor with me swimming on the Missouri River. So, <laughs> the day I was born, I was swimming. You were indoctrinated a <laughs> yeah, day. One, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I was. She went in and like nine thirty at night in the in the Missouri, and that's where my family's cabin is, is up in northeast Nebraska. So we were up there on the water all the time. lived lived south of Lenoma at Riverside Acres. Uh, grew up from uh, third through on high school. Always on the lake fishing, up and down the Platte River, exploring, playing. Um, that's why I am a person that really likes the water now and yeah. you have to live on a lake and I'd rather be on water than anywhere else, really.
0: I look at your parents and I, I just think how resourceful they were. I mean, the fact that your mother wanted to have you at home, not in a hospital. I mean, these are folks, too, that they, they really instilled in you, hey, living off the land, being resourceful. Would you say that's one of the
1: most important lessons they gave you? <sighs> Or is there
0: something else beyond that?
1: Oh, I mean, the the creativity, keeping yourself busy, always doing something. There was always something. I I mean, when we grew up, it it wasn't like I was a person that had all the Nintendos and TVs and all that stuff to play with. So, yeah, if you wanted to keep yourself occupied or you wanted to go fishing, you wanted to go out and about. Yes. You
0: talked about building stick homes and those, those kinds of things. Where did this love of construction start?
1: Oh, I I would say with my father, he had just he was always been in construction. My grandfather was a shop teacher. We just kind of have it in our blood to build stuff. So were and, they giving you a an hammer
0: and 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 saying when you're you know six years old go go build? Were they um, you watching?
1: Uh there's pictures of me building my grandma's deck when I was three years old a uh, diaper and a hammer and my tongue sticking out of my mouth trying to nail up <laughs> with pound that nail in. So yeah. really focused. Yeah. 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 Hopefully you didn't get a fat
0: finger after that. Uh, I'm but, sure I did. You know, I look at, I, you said something earlier that kind of piqued my interest. You said some of that is just innate, right? I mean, yep. you're born with certain things and certain yep. skills. I look at your son, Keller and Keegan, but you know, Keller to me has this innate ability. He just sees things differently. Right. right. And But I also think that the influence that you have on your children was the same way probably your father had on you. And my guess is they gave you a lot of responsibility to get involved and start early and building and constructing. Yes. If you made a mistake, what was the environment at that point? If you did something that you were building and it didn't go well, were they supportive? How did they get you back on track?
1: Oh, it was never criticism. It was always... Uh, trying to coach and teach and uh how to do it differently next time, and you know, they would tell you what you did wrong, but you should tell anybody right, but it was usually more of a constructive criticism and kind of clean things up and how to do something differently, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs>
0: So you're at this point, you've, you're showing a propensity, right, to want to wanna build things. Yeah. Um, was there ever that time when you were a kid, before you ever graduated from high school, before you ever went to Nebraska County, was there that pivotal moment in your life where you're like, this is what I want to do? And do you remember it?
1: Um or was it more gradual? It was more gradual. Yeah. I, I mean, I, was, I started working at a very young age. I was 13 years old. So um, summers, uh, three, four days a week whatever I could do and still play baseball. Um, and it, it, yeah, it was either building something or I really liked art too. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, the, the whole, (laughs) what do you call it? A starving artist. Yeah. I didn't want to be a starving artist. So it it was construction (laughs) and it was, it was straight up. That's what I was, that's where I was going. What kind of art influenced you? Oh, i I liked, uh, doing a lot of clay and like sculpture um, and then I did like a lot of uh, oil paints, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So. so that
0: artistic side comes into play today. I've got to imagine. Oh, uh, yes. when you're looking at a landscape and you're like, "Look, we've got to, we're going to build a playground, right?" Which, which we'll talk a little bit about what Dostal Construction specializes in. I imagine that all comes together now, years later. That oh, artistic the, side, uh, the visualizing the end product. So, so if look- there's a construction guy today who says, "Huh, I'm not. Listen, I don't care about arts. I don't care about." You know, theater, I don't care about, I'm just a construction guy. Would you say to them, let me give you some advice, I think this could be helpful, and and, and specifically how?
1: Well, um, like pouring concrete, pouring concrete is very similar to painting a picture. You're trying to make that concrete the nicest finish that you can make it, and get a broom texture or brushed texture out of it. So there's a lot of similarities that, you know, how you use your hands, and how you build, and how you construct, attention to detail, um, just... Every step of the process, I mean, if you're doing some artwork and the same as construction, you have to figure out your processes and how you're going to go through and build or draw that painting um, to get to get the end result. I mean, there's a lot of
0: similarities. Yeah, I love it. Construction, artistry. I like it. Um, That might just be a tagline for Dostal Construction, by the way. Uh, Dostal Construction, artistry at work. How about that? Can we do that?
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I need another line on my truck horse. (laughs) Just more
0: costs, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, a couple of other things to talk about. Uh, You go to college and you are motivated. I mean, you've talked about the things that motivated you to get there. And you don't just kind of dance through college. Uh, You end up excelling. it. You're at the top of your class. Academically, was that something easy for you? Were you one of these top performing students in high school, or was it the love of what you were learning at University of oh, Nebraska? Um,
1: I was just over the top of my high school class mm-hmm. so you know I was at yeah you know, fifty two out of eighty or something like that i was not I was not an academic person in high school. I just really wasn't into what I was doing yeah uh, when I got into college um, then I, you know, started getting all into your core. Uh, once you get past all your basic classes, your core classes, and you re- really started applying what you're learning, then, then, yeah, then that's that's when things started where you're, you know, you're getting 100 uh, on class and 98 on class, and you're getting those high high A's. They, you know, <laughs> and you want to study. Yeah, you want to study. Yeah, yeah you want to do it. And in, in in construction management program that we took. Uh, that I took and uh, they offered in Carney was uh, it was a business degree with an emphasis in construction. So I took a lot of business classes and a lot of construction classes and they all applied to what I wanted to do in life. Um, and yeah, they were all very interesting. So I, I yeah. think
0: it goes to prove and tell me your thoughts on this. We always say follow your passion, follow what you love. In, in high school you were an average student. suddenly yeah. you are now pursuing what you love what is incredibly interesting to you and you become an honored student at the University of Nebraska at Kearney. Does that reinforce about following your passion in your opinion? Yeah I, I,
1: absolutely you, but you got to find out what that is mm-hmm. and,
0: How, that, and for you it was easy because you yeah, found out early right yeah
1: I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do yeah I wanted to build yeah so and it if it wasn't going to be parks and playgrounds, it was gonna be something else. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes, yeah, yeah. So you go in, and you also told me you've got a
0: couple professors that you owe so much to because they found a way to inspire you and 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 get that light bulb really turned on, nice and bright in your brain. Tell me about those guys and what it was that they were able to spark in you.
1: Well, uh, two college professors, one of them being my uh, my advisor too. Uh, it was really just setting deadlines, having stuff that has to be done, knowing your quality of what you need to have and put out. Um, there's no excuses if it was something was late. And that's the same as when you're bidding a project, that's a public bid project. If you're a minute late, you're out. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if you turn something in and, and it's half done, you're going to get a 50% or you're going to lose, lose money on the job. So that, that, you know, that, that commitment and that precision or making sure you're complete all your tasks and on time, uh, was a, was a great learning lesson for me. Uh, also one of my, 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 advisor, uh, he always really kind of beat into our brain that you, uh, needed to live within your means, um, uh, set goals, live within your means and, uh, and, and do a quality product and you will, or project and you will be successful. So yeah, living within your means is the one thing that he said all the time
0: and living within your means within a personal level,
1: business uh, level, or both all, all your whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, don't be trying to live your life paying interest. Mm-hmm. So that, they, that, that was the one thing is like interest is a waste of money. And in the eighties they had very, very high interest and, and, and that that's people a lot of, lost a lot of money and they spent all their money on interest. And so live within your means, grow as you can grow. And, uh, it, try, try to live on cash.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I, and we're starting to see those days come back a little bit, but you yeah. know, we still don't realize my, my parents would tell you, I think our first home, they said their interest rate was 13%. Yeah. And you look at it today at 7%. That was the first interest rate I had on our first home. Yeah. But nonetheless, let's talk about that from a business perspective. I'm assuming then if you could give advice to business owners, try not to leverage as often as you can and try not to borrow.
1: Yeah. Well, you have to have something to start with. Right. Yes. So yeah, just try to work with what you have. Uh, don't pay yourself the big paycheck. Maybe you need to live on a little less for a while. Um, and and instead of, you know, you're we're not all movie stars. We don't need, you know, you can live on a lot less than what you are. So, uh, you know, when you're first starting, you just kind of got to pinch your pennies and, uh, you know, and try try to, uh yeah. Uh, you know, Try to save, you yeah. know, or, or try, try not to go, go crazy. You need to buy something, only buy it when you need it. And then, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you get out of college. You know what you want to do. You're working for your father at this time.
1: Yeah. Tell me
0: what Dostal Construction was at the time. I know today you have up to 30 employees, correct? Yeah. Well, Doing over $10 million in revenue. But at the time, what was Dostal's construction like when you go to work for your dad out of college?
1: Uh, it was... My dad and I, and three employees, sometimes maybe two, uh, we had a couple trucks, a couple skid loaders, a little dump truck, a couple little trailers. Uh, we were actually uh, remember the old Sap building. That's yeah. right, where Dollar General was. We rented that bay, and for the first uh, couple years, we were working out of that their their bay. I don't know what that building was at one time, but it it's smelt like mothballs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a memory that stands out. You'll never forget that by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So we, 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 uh, we started building some pro- parks and projects and, and we we're pouring concrete and kind of doing what we could do and just kind of figuring things out. But yeah, the first couple of years, I mean, it's 300,000 a year or 500,000 a year is what we were getting. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad had a setup where we didn't have any, any loans or anything. I mean, we had skid loaders that were paid for, trucks that were paid for, and uh, we were working for our future. Yeah. that's.
0: And and, and at that point, so there's a couple of angles I think is so interesting about today is one, working for your dad, right? And then ultimately you end up buying the business from your father. But let's start with with working for your dad. It's one thing, you know, I was interviewing someone earlier today. She got coached at high school by her mother, right? She Mm -hmm. talked about Most of the experiences were pretty good, but there were some that were pretty challenging. What was it like working for your father? How would you make that relationship work?
1: Um, You know, my dad's always been one of my best friends. So uh, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Uh, Just recently, I I built a project and my dad came and helped me and worked on the weekends. And it just reminded me how much I really liked working with my dad. Uh, a lot of times we wouldn't even have to talk and we already knew what the next person was thinking. And it, it was just kind of that kind of relationship, you know, left arm, right arm, you know, just kind of working along each other. So yeah, it wasn't a big deal. Um, yeah, there's times when you get frustrated with your parents, which I mean, you do that at home too, right? but, but it, it was, it was never a bad deal. I mean, he, he taught me a lot on how to work with people and, and how to approach different situations and gave me a lot of good advice Um, And a lot of it I still use today, you know.
0: You know, Bodie, that this is incredibly unusual, though. I mean, the legacy your dad, Jim, by the way, has left. What a legacy, right? And the relationship you guys have. But a lot of times it doesn't work great with family. And so kudos that you both made it work. And it doesn't sound like you ever had to really work
1: at it, did you? No, no. no, I mean, he was teaching me and he was uh 99 i don't remember what year how old he was at that point in time i mean he was later in his 50s yeah. uh you know and he was ready to teach me what i needed to know so that he didn't have to do the business stuff anymore
0: what was Since, he so good uh, i interrupted i'm sorry no you're good what were you what was he so good at teaching why was he such a good educator such a good teacher for you uh,
1: really about how to approach things and how to deal with people he i mean he taught me a lot of people skills you know just, I had hired a painter for a project, and I'd I'd give him four things to do, and he could remember one. And I was getting upset (laughs) about me uh, having to repeat myself so much. And he goes, what happened to you once? Why didn't you write a list for the second time? That's on you. And he was exactly right. There's a lot of things just like that that, you know, it was like he called me out on it, and he was right. And so there's a lot of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: again, it didn't ruffle your feathers. So it's it's amazing. You know, some sons might go, Oh dad, you know, but that's amazing that you guys had the kind of relationship. you had.
1: you think about what somebody says to you (laughs) and you learn from it and it's not always, you shouldn't be offended about it. So so that's all depends on the person too. So. So did you always agree
0: on vision? I know that your dad was the owner but here you are, right? You're, you're a much smaller company mm-hmm. than, than you are today. So did you always agree on vision? And, and, and by the way, was playgrounds, the only thing you were doing back then, or was it, Hey, we're going to take anything. We just specialized in playgrounds.
1: Uh, so the business started, my dad had a partnership before that. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, uh, we did a lot of stuff at the game of parks, game of parks, money kind of dried up at right at the end of when, um, uh, uh, that Mahoney was built. Mm-hmm. So then we were just looking in for another avenue of something different to build. So uh, when we first started, we yes, we were doing some parks and some park projects, but there was not a lot of that going on. But we were going and tackling anything we built uh, for the Arbor Day Farms of Yoda, the Canopy Treehouse Trail. Uh, when I was just out of college, I think I was twenty-two or twenty-three. Uh, we built a uh, quarter million dollar treehouse in two thousand and three. That was over top of a ravine and had a trapper's cabin, and it was a it's cool beautiful project. Beautiful, by the way. Yeah, uh, it's a cool project. And then stamped concrete, and we did a lot of different ravine crossings and bridges and anything that was different. That's what we did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, Big Lake Park in Council Bluffs, a big renovation project there. Uh, that was seawalls and digging out a lake and anything different. But, so, but was that your vision, or
0: did they give you the project and you say? we could do a run the mill deal here for you. We could do a run the mill project, a but we're going to we're going to do we're going to bring some vision to it and some uniqueness to it. Did you yeah. bring that to them or did they come to you and say so give us something? a lot unique? of
1: those projects uh, that I'm, they came to us. Uh the Farms was a design, design build. You know, D'Onnell were the landscape architects back in the day. Uh they drew a lot of park projects and they came to us and say, "Hey, we want to we want to build this." When I was in high school, they, my dad built a a uh, bridge for them down there. And it was the, the beams had to be set with a helicopter because there's no way you get a crane in there. Mm. So we had, he had already built some relationship, but that was a design build. Some of the other ones were a lot of uh, public bid projects. Nobody else would want to build them. And, and it was something that we wanted to do because it was different. Yeah. So there's that. Um, yeah. And there, and it wasn't like we had the vision of this is all we wanted to do. We just wanted to do something different And, yeah, that was more. There's the art
0: artistry, though, seriously, that that was ingrained in you at a young age. That You're like, hey, I can see this. I can see what the architect wants. And we can recreate that. And that's where the specialty of your company has really come in. And that's more a statement than a question. So let me ask you a question now. Um, At that point, is docile construction, like, you have grown just Enormously over the last ten years or so, maybe even longer. So back in the day, you and your dad are working together. Is the as it's going along, is it on a fast track to growth? The business at that time, or you just kind of are you just kind of working on the core projects at that point?
1: Yes, both ways really. Yeah, I graduated college. I was ready to do something. I was ready to make money. Um, In order to do that, I mean, I you have to be able to generate income and produce and, um, finish projects. Yeah. So in order for me to make what I would like to make in in a year, I needed to generate the business to be able to do that. And I can't just rely on what my dad did and I couldn't be just a laborer for him. So I, I had to generate that business and start figuring out the, the ways that we could grow so I could make what I wanted to make. Right. And
0: I imagine your dad then saw something in you. I mean, again, here's, he's the owner. Yeah. Now here comes in his whippersnapper son, which yep. is great. And you're like, Dad, we're going to grow. We're going to we're going to do this thing because I want more. We and we have the quality to do more. Did he accept that? Did he see that in you and go, Yeah, yeah, let's let's go? Or did was there ever any tension based on where you wanted to go as quickly? As oh, you
1: wanted to um, grow to a certain point. We when we were growing, uh, you know, he was all right. But then when when we were getting up to the. 20 and 15 to 20 employees is like, yeah, this was enough for me. I don't need anymore. I mean, he was older and, and it was at a different point in his life. Sure. He wasn't, he wasn't ready to grow. He, he, um, by 2006, he was done doing office work and I was bidding and running the entire business, uh, doing all of most of the decisions we talked about big bit of purchases together, but really about 2006, he was kind of done with that. And he was like, give me. Give me a helper. I want to go build some projects. I don't want to take all these phone calls anymore. Um, so I just, you know, I was like, I'd like to build again for my last 10 years and not try to run this bigger company that you were trying to grow.
0: Right. So he
1: goes, that's on you.
0: I got to imagine at this point, then the conversation of maybe selling to you, does it start coming up around 2006 or is it later? Uh,
1: 2010, 2011. Yeah. I was, I was running for a few years and before I bought my first 10% stake in the company. Got it. So yeah.
0: So you buy in it at 2010. Yes. And does that give you more responsibility at that point? Or is it still pretty much the hierarchy that it always was?
1: Um, my dad didn't have much of a hierarchy. Okay. I mean, it, 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 he he didn't really. He let me kind of go and do what we needed to do, and he he gave me advice, but it it wasn't like he was micromanaging any mm-hmm. of my decisions or how. And there was no hierarchy. We we're just yeah. working together.
0: So, so is it 2015, 2016 when you make the full buyout? Yes. Okay. Yep. yep. So right around there. Now at this point, you come to him, it. Sounds like he's ready. Do you have a vision at this point? Are you like, okay, I'm going to buy out and here's where we're going to go? Or is it, were you just like, we're going to roll up our sleeves and work hard and let's see where this thing does go?
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. I didn't have a vision. I I still don't have any goals of, I want to do, you know, there was never a goal of, I want to do gross 5 million, 6 million, $10 million. There was never a monetary goal. It was like, I wanted to build stuff and what was coming to us, we want to try to complete it. So that that's always kind of really been the goal, and uh, number of employees. I never really cared. Um, uh, we're working with a lot of sales reps now, so right. we're trying to keep up with the sales reps yes. from other companies. Yes, so, yeah, yep. yeah, sales reps for other companies that sell the playground equipment that we install. So yes,
0: good sign um, when they want to use you, isn't it?
1: Uh, yes, that's yeah. a, that's and, a or sign right only there. Only want to use you, right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. So here again, looking at from a business perspective. This is something that seems to be consistent across the line. And that is, look, let's just roll up our sleeves. Hard work will get you there. Is that what you're really founded on is hard work and quality or or is there something other than that? And do you believe that if it's hard work, you can get to about anywhere you want to go?
1: I agree with all that. And then throw in attention to detail. That's, I mean, hard work, attention to detail and just rolling up. And, you know, I always tell the guys, you know, my Monday morning safety meeting, it's like, guys, we need to put in a good week. Uh, let's work hard, play hard. Let's get a good weekend and get a bunch of stuff done. And then you can go out have fun this weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
0: What challenges come up though, when you now have grown and you've grown to where you have 30 employees at your peak, what challenges does that bring up as an, as, as a leader of a company?
1: <sighs> Managing the personalities. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different personalities. And then as you have, uh, your better employees, um, that you've had around and they're making more money. It just, it's just, there's always personalities and, and the, you know, day to day stuff with the guys and you're out and it's hot and you're working and you're pouring concrete and you're getting stuff done. Um, You know, they're, they're not, everybody's always friendly with each other. So and trying to manage that and kind of keep everybody on the same team, um, you know, coach them up. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big challenge.
0: Well, we couldn't do this without the incredible support of Farmers & Merchants Bank of Ashland. They have been around for 139 years, and there's a reason for that. They're locally owned, locally managed, and they are focused on you, their customer. They offer full-service business banking, and I know a lot of you watching today need that full-service business banking, and you're always going to speak to a live human being when you give them a call. They're commercial lenders. They will be happy thrilled to speak with you and they will be very helpful. Their expertise across the board and they're going to help you navigate SBA, TIF, or NEDCO financing. Visit them at www.fmnbforfarmersmerchantsnationalbank.com or give them a call at 402 944 One six member FDIC. So walk me through that. Cause again, uh, there are business owners right now saying, I want to hear his secret sauce. How does he do that? How does he uh, manage those personalities? Do you have a strategy? Is there something that you lean back on or lean into to say, this is how we make it work. What advice would you give to those owners?
1: Well, always trying to coach up the guys, um, you know, giving them some compliments. You know what? And for me, I've, um, I've been in construction for a long time. So whatever they are doing, I've already done. So, and, and I get out and I'll work with the guys. There's not many business owners that have 30 employees will go out and pour concrete uh, with them or take the hardest job and roll along with it. So um, a lot of times I was like, I just say lead by example and then show them that you know how to do what you're, you're asking them to do, you know, and that's, that's kind of always been our, our MO, you know, with, my dad and I, yeah. leading by example, always. And that role, role modeling
0: that you yes. do, I mean, yeah. obviously uh, they see, hey, he's willing to do anything he's asking me to do, which is something you, uh, you definitely pride yourself on as well. But for that business owner who can't get out of that, yeah. who are like, hey, I'm just gonna go out every day and work all day long, side by side, and they struggle to work on the business, how do you make sure you get that time to work on the business and you're not constantly role modeling to your employees?
1: Uh, you just have to make that time. I mean, if I mean, you have to be able to just set aside the time. You have to do it, whether if it's two hours or four hours a day, or you're you're out working and you're you're in a, a physical kind of job, you, you got to set one day aside. You, you have to. Mm-hmm. There, there's just no other way to do it. Yeah. Um, I I, you know, this time of year, uh, there, we just got through our back to school rush. Now we're pushing hard to try to get everything done by the, before the snow flies. And there's not a lot of time that I'm, I'm in the office, but I'll, i I need to make a day here, a day there and just focus on it and do it. Mm-hmm. You, you just have to, I mean, the, the business side is you, you can only, you can only work so long, if, but you can't run yourself out of work. Yeah, You got to have the work out there. So you got to continually do both. You know,
0: you know, one of the things I've seen your work and um, you always say, I don't want competition to have a chance to come in and take and so, you know, take our business. So quality is exceptionally important to you. And I've seen I've seen you on a job site and I've seen how little things that that some people might not pay attention to is like, no, we've got to fix that. or We got to you know, we got to make sure that gets done. Um, Is that what you would say your secret sauce is, is not just the hard work that you guys put in? but you're, you're leaving no stone unturned or is there something else to your secret sauce that goes with that?
1: I really think it's attention to detail. Um, just even caring about the smallest thing, uh, trying to include the owners. You, you want to have, you, you want to have them happy when you're done with the project. That is, that's the most important thing is having a happy owner or a happy client, however that is. But yeah, attention to detail just trying to move through the process, um, not dragging a project out when you're there and show up, show up. You're impressing them how much you're getting done, and and you know you may be a month later than they wanted you there, but when you got there, you got it done and moved out, and they didn't have a whole long list of things that uh, you you left them. Uh, they're not they're not happy about. Or if there is something, jump on it quickly, take care of it, snuff it out. Don't let it drag out.
0: I'm smiling because I remember one thing that you said in our pre-conversations. You said, my my dad taught me no such thing as a punch list. I mean, there is such a thing, but there shouldn't be anything on that punch list, right? Yeah. Punch list. Tell us first off what a punch list is and and to you how that's an ultimate compliment if there's nothing on it.
1: Yes. Uh, So a punch list is when you finish a project, the owner or the owner's rep will go through the project and trying to see if there's anything that that you had done not quite up to their standards or something you didn't quite do right um, or the, a quality issue um, our my dad's always goal was as like no punch list It's like you don't want to leave you don't want to have zero things for a punch list, but if somebody's got to have something, leave them something obvious for, for them to pick out. But yes, no no punch list. You know that's always the goal. You, you want them to be able to walk around that job site and say, "Okay, looks beautiful. I don't see anything wrong." Mm-hmm. That's that's what you. That's the ultimate compliment on a crew. Yeah, and I'm still trying to instill that into my project managers. Like I, I was like, I walk this job, and I was like. I, I want zero punch list. And a lot of times I will, uh, we'll get the punch list if we have one from, uh, the owner or owner owner's rep. And then I'll usually make a little more of one yeah. and added it to it and have my crews fix it. Cause I, this is what I want it to look like. Yeah. So,
0: and, and boy, every business owner can understand that whether they're in construction or not, because there could be the old proverbial punch list. If you're an accountant, right? Yes. CPA doesn't matter. Yeah. Nothing left un, unturned.
1: Loose ends. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: I want to go back to, to buying the business again, because again, a lot of business owners are in here and it's one thing to buy a business from somebody. It's Mm -hmm. another thing to buy it from family, right? Any advice that you would give to a business owner out there, maybe a business leader who's thinking about asking to buy their boss's business or their family business. What advice would you give to them now that you've been through it?
1: Well, when you start going through the whole process of purchasing a business, those numbers become, they seems like almost daunting how big they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying, uh, trying to coming up with a fair price, don't let it ruin your relationship. Um, Cause if you have a thriving business, you will pay it off and you, and it won't take that long. Um, so yeah, don't ruin a relationship over a hundred thousand dollars or whatever that dollar amount may be. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's more important to, to make sure everything because if you bought it from somebody else, you might wanna ask them some, you know, some advice later down the road and you don't wanna burn that bridge. Yeah. So just coming up with a fair price and, and just being respectful yeah. of the whole process. Yeah.
0: We're gonna bounce around a little bit here. I wanna go back, you mentioned 30 employees. And we know how difficult it is today to find you know, employees, just to find employees, right? Mm-hmm. Two questions around this. The first question is, how do you go about it? Again, business owner out there, he or she is like, look, how do you go about finding people today? Has it changed in the last five or, let's say since COVID, on how you find people? I'd start there. And then how do you know what you're looking for?
1: Well, we have a really... A lot of my business is a really an old school approach. I take a lot of things from my dad. Uh, most of the employees that we have um, have a, we have advertised for some, but most of them have been passed on to us from word of mouth, uh, friends of family. You know, a lot of a lot of guys are our family of each other on the crew, and they will recommend their brother in law or somebody to come work with the work with us. Uh, Every one, almost every one of the project managers we have, minus a couple um, that we have running crews, started as a laborer for us, and they learned our ways and learned from the ground up. Kind of a grassroots effort to to build employees, and and most stick around. Mm -hmm. So, so second part of the The second part
0: is this. So now you've got your employee, and if if I would say your culture is this, you you work hard. And the quality of that work has got to be very high, right? Yep. Detail oriented, high quality. So now you bring that employee in again to that business owner out there. How do you ingrain them in that culture? You know what your culture is. How do you now bring that employees and say, Hey, we're going to ingrain you because you don't have time to sit in an office, right? And say, here's our culture at 40 hours a week. They've got to figure it out. How do they figure it out? How do you make sure they figure it out?
1: Well, most of them started as laborers. So they kind of, we're we just kind of worked into that and learning it and you know just, you know the, the, you're always constantly coaching you know and and working with the employees and trying to when you're on a job site and I'm you know walking around it's not like I'm trying to run for president or anything but you right. <laughs> like, right. you you are you are trying you to would talk lose to, in a landslide Bodie. no you, know, you might win in a landslide I, I, <laughs> no politics for me no thank you uh, yeah it. it it's really just on how you treat people and try to bring them up through, you know, and it's, 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 a, it's a daily thing for every project manager I have in every person. You're always trying to build that and talk about things. And yeah, 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 it's a constant, it's a constant struggle too. So yeah. yeah, well, it is.
0: And there's no doubt about it, but you whatever you've done, you've done right. And I think another challenge for almost every business owner is that the ability to delegate, to hand off duty. So again, you get that day a week in the office. Mm -hmm. This has not always been easy for you. It is very difficult for 98% of business owners advice that you would give to that business owner who just can't give up that control, who can't delegate certain things so that they can work on the bigger picture. What advice would you give
1: them? Oh, you know, it's, it's tough to delegate, especially when you're a perfectionist and you know exactly how you want everything to be done all the, all the time. Uh, I, you know, me still, that's really the hardest thing to do. I still bid 100% of the projects and manage all the business decisions and do all, a lot of stuff. And this this last year or so, I've started delegating more and more responsibility, letting other guys line up the projects. Um, the thing that I've been trying to heart, or get ingrained in my brain is if you don't delegate, all you're doing is uh, working to live when you need Yo, Dad, know, did I say that wrong? Living, to, you want to, you know, live to work, <laughs> yes, not, not work to live. Yeah, right, right, absolutely. So, so that that's kind of what I've been trying to say. If if you don't delegate, that's what's going to happen. But it's a, it's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Is.
0: Every good owner is still always challenged with that.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah always. I, yeah. I, It it it's something that I deal with and struggle with every day. Yeah. And I, and I try to to try to do one more thing to delegate one more thing every day if I can, just to give something up. So
0: do you ever pinch yourself and you say to yourself, Hey, I'm a kid who grew up way out in the wilds of Niagara. And here I have a business today with 30 employees. Um, you know, I I mean, this is capitalism at its finest showing and proving that no matter what, if you're willing to put the time in, you can accomplish great things. Do You ever pinch yourself when you think about it and you look back,
1: um, came a long way. Yes, for sure. Um, I, I sit down and think about it often, but I, I kind of knew where I was going from, you know, my, when I graduated college, my dad sat down and he goes, now, if I had myself organized like you do right now, I, I, I would be so much farther along in my life. I was like, you're, you're set right, right up now where you know what you're going to do and, and you have your, your focus and, and you, and you're you're ready to build and and do stuff and it's like and I didn't have a clue what I was gonna do for my first fifteen 20 years of my life when I was out of college I was like it was like you got a way big way bigger head start than i I did so I kind of knew, but yeah, surprised that I have that many employees or surprised that we gross that many million dollars of the work yeah, that's a shocker I, yeah yeah.
0: Not surprised, though, at all that what you do is incredibly high quality, and it really is um, perfection in your work, which, which you can see when you have a project done. All right, let's bounce around and hit a couple of quick ones. And you may say, Tim, I, I, don't, I don't have one, and that's fine. If there is a book, if there is an audio series, if there is something that you would recommend for a business owner to read, to follow, maybe a periodical, what would it be?
1: I honestly don't have one. <laughs> That's okay. I, yeah. Where I do don't. you, where do
0: you get your development? Let's say as you go on, is it what you do every single day and learning from people or is there something that you stay on top of?
1: There's not a certain source. I mean, I'm pulling from stuff I learned in college, right? Um, learning on the fly, always kind of developing, you know, yeah, there's there's not there's not a source that I'm watching. I'm not I'm not watching your podcast and learning. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> will be now. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to now. So sorry. <laughs> we just got a convert. Okay, here's here's
0: a couple of fun questions. You ready? Yes. You get to pick one person to come in and speak to your organization to motivate them, inspire them, talk about leadership. It can be anyone. The, the budget is not an an option or not a factor. Who do you bring in to speak to your organization? How much you charged
1: him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you couldn't afford it. No. <laughs> oh man, uh, I don't know if I would pick a business person or just just some sort of celebrity that 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 lighten the mood for the guys, right? You know, I I don't know. I I never gave that one any thought, <laughs> but I think you talk really well.
0: So, <laughs> well, listen, I put him to sleep. All right, here's another one, Matt Rule. Yes. Tell me what you like about what he's doing for Nebraska. Oh. he's under the microscope as a leader. I love him. What do you think? I mean,
1: have you watched some of his TikToks? No, I have not. Oh, there's a whole ton of TikToks out there of just his inspirational speaking and how he's talking to guys and and you know, it's like he, he showed uh one, one of them showed they said, All right, uh who who all here are starters? All right, he goes, Come out on the field, all right, and I was like my offensive starters. And then he goes, Now I want to see all my offensive seniors. And then it goes, now you guys wanted to clear the field, all right? There was nobody left on the field. That just showed that the sophomores, freshmen, and the redshirt freshmen, and, and juniors, they all had a spot to play. So in that, I, I thought that was really cool, that, that the way he presented and pulled that out.
0: I, I love it, too, and I did see that. And by the way, there you go. There's where you're getting some of the, the you know, because he is, I think, doing a wonderful job leading the program. Hopefully, keep our fingers crossed, yeah. we're going to see the outcomes. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, you've been awesome and, uh, you have done a great job and truly you should be incredibly proud of what you've accomplished as a business owner. Your parents should be proud. They raised you right and they helped get you in that spot and, uh, excited to see what, what comes, uh, down the road. Cause it's going to be great. So thanks a lot, but right. you, you got it.